Welcome to Within Us. My name is Azriela Jankovic, and I'm your host. I believe that the peace, the joy, the connection, and the happiness that we seek is very much available to us in all moments within us. This show is all about waking up to our divine potential and staying present with it in every moment. Today is Wednesday, February 19th, and I'm so excited about our episode. We speak on within us of the four dimensions of who we are, our physical bodies, our intellectual selves, our emotional selves, and our spiritual selves. So often in our lives, when we make a change in one area, it has a ripple effect, making changes in other areas as well. Today, we are talking about a very pervasive issue, and that is the issue of digital wellness. While our digital life and our use of digital devices may seem isolated to our work sphere or our social sphere, the truth is that in today's day and age, there is such an abundance of usage that digital sphere is really becoming a part of all aspects of our life because it is affecting our health and even our brain activity. Okay, so you know me and there's always a silver lining. There's always some good news. And the good news today is that I have an incredible guest named Kim Cavallo and she herself knows very well the dangers of tech use. Kim first became aware of the problems concerning mobile devices and digital use when she found herself in the bathroom of her yoga studio reading her emails instead of pressing her hands in downward dog. In between anxious impulses to check her phone, an idea was born. Kim brings 25 years of experience raising money and connecting people to nonprofit causes. And she's now focusing on how to encourage those around her to put away their phones and to be more in the moment. Kim founded an incredible company called Lil Space that is positioned at the center of mindfulness and social impact. It's developing mutually beneficial strategic partnerships between businesses and nonprofit organizations. Kim put her phone away and she loves to spend time with her husband, her two adult sons, doing yoga and traveling. And in today's show, she's going to bring her expertise to us in really practical ways. I walked away from the interview with Kim feeling inspired and feeling like I could make meaningful changes and even small changes that she suggests can be so, so impactful. So welcome to today's episode and it is my great pleasure to introduce you to Kim Cavallo. I've heard so much about what you've been doing over the last several years and I really feel that the topic of digital wellness is so timely becoming more and more important as time goes on. And I'm really interested to hear from you about this, this whole topic. So why don't we go ahead and dive in and tell us a little bit about digital wellness. What is digital wellness and why is it so important? Digital wellness is an extension of over, overall wellness. Um, I actually read something that Oprah Winfrey had talked about that wellness is life and balance. So I just know for myself and maintaining balance, that means taking a look at all my relationships. So the relationship with food, with physical fitness, with family, with friends, with work, 
and now in this day and age with uh, all of our mobile devices. And the question of wellness and digital wellness comes down to this. It's when you're reflecting on all of these relationships with wellness overall, with food or with romance, and then with digital wellness, with technology, how is my attitude and how is my behavior enhancing my life? Am I in balance? There's a, a lot of reasons, but for right now, obviously the increase of the kinds of technology that are coming into our lives from all different angles uh, is just growing at such a great speed and human connection can be lost, even though those tools can also connect us. It's, it's so true what you're saying about the rate of technology coming into our life so rapidly right now. And I love what you said about looking at our behaviors and, and the way that they can enhance our lives. Yeah. And I, and I think in terms of the phrase digital wellness, I don't know exactly who coined that, but you know, it really describes the relationship with technology. And people use terms like screen life balance, digital well-being, life tech balance. The word digital just means obviously relating to the use of computer technology. So when people say digital wellness, that's, you know, wellness relating to community. For me, the words digital wellness just roll off the tongue easier and feel like a more soothing way to refer to that relationship. The idea of balance or wellness and technology, whether it's a smartphone, a tablet, a laptop, I personally need to set aside a time aside and space that's tech-free whether it's getting out into nature or doing yoga, it's just, as you said, there's so much all around us that is tech associated. And so getting out of that, I think people are finding that it's important to take that time and space away from technology in order to maintain balance and wellness. I think what's different about today versus 10 years ago is that wherever we go, technology can follow us. I mean, literally into the bathroom, it can follow us into bed. So true. It's so true. When you go hiking or when you do yoga, like what does your routine look like in terms of where you're bringing these devices or where you're leaving them? Like, how do you, how do you decide? Well, I think one of the main issues that we've all unfortunately gotten into this habit of, of feeling that the sense that we can connect to anyone anytime and that we need to connect to anyone anytime. And so the sense of parents feeling a sense of emergency that they can't reach their kids 24 seven. When I was growing up, I had to pull over on the side of the road to go to a payphone to call my parents and let them know I was, you know, going someplace or that I was okay. I think this sense of urgency really dictates for me, like if there's something going on, again, you know, looking at time and space. So right now, if I'm about to go on a hike and I know that maybe my dad isn't feeling well or there's somebody that might be trying to reach me, I won't fully be able to relax if I completely leave my phone away from me. So it's really, I guess, about awareness as in anything else, it's awareness and balance. So for me, I would schedule myself to go for a walk when I know that I don't have something really pending or, or that I feel like I would be missing. And so I bring my phone when, if I have to, and I prefer not to, I love going places where there is no, you know, Wi-Fi because then there's not really a choice, but again, keeping mindful of, I wouldn't want to do that to myself if I knew that I was leaving a situation where somebody was trying to reach me. Um, right. And I think that's, 
that's important for all of us just to know. And that, you know, it's the same with, with, at least for me, it's the same with food or fitness. I want to know myself, like where do, what, what foods make me feel healthier. And, you know, even when you think of, you know, just these little sound bites or things that we get from technology. It's if you keep the association, the same analogy with food, and you think of taking little bites of things all day and never feeling really satiated with a real human connection. That's why I think there's this feeling of longing and isolation and loneliness right now. Because oh, that's so, it's such an interesting metaphor. It's like, in i've heard from you know different people in the world of nutrition talking about exactly this issue of when you're eating on the go right when you're not eating mindfully you might not feel satiated you you don't have the chance to enjoy your food so you're saying this is a parallel in the digital world by way of our connection with people that's the way i see it definitely and so when i say getting out into nature or having a, a, a conversation with someone or meeting with someone in person the idea of being able to take a break from your phone during those important moments and know what those important moments are. I mean, that's something that a lot of people don't even do. They don't take the time to see, you know, what do I value? What kind of time do I want to take for myself for self-reflection? What kind of time do I need to connect to other people? What time do I need for being outdoors? Those are just questions to ask yourself and then make decisions based on those, those values. As I'm listening to you, I'm also becoming very curious about your foray into wellness in general, because it sounds like there's more to the picture than your relationship with these digital devices. This is like a, this is really an overall way of life for you. I think like any spiritual or wellness practice, this idea of consciousness and being self-aware and aware of your surroundings is important. I first really had that awareness in my early 20s. I was uh, introduced to Iyengar yoga. Before that, I had really no physical fitness practice at all. I wasn't an athlete. I didn't like exercising. So when I was introduced to Iyengar yoga, it was a very dramatic time for me because it was the first time that I was realizing that that being physical could actually reduce anxiety and stress. And I had lived with a lot of anxiety as a kid. Not It never really appeared on the outside, but it was this low level vibration of anxiety that I was just born with. I come from a line of anxious people, actually phobic people. I just thought everybody walked around like that. And when I started doing yoga and having this developing this relationship with myself and my own body and my own mind, I just realized how important it was to know myself, know my interests, know what I like. That grew from there and being able to know that I could self-soothe myself when things were getting uh, out of control with my anxiety. I could use yoga or walking or getting outdoors as a means of feeling, um, attending to my well-being, which before that, I didn't really have that. I also have Obviously, I have a connection to Judaism being, you know, that I have that, that in my life. And I also have had people in my life that struggle with addiction. And so I was introduced to a 12-step program, which is called Al-Anon. And that really helps me a lot. So my wellness has a lot of kind of influences in it. So there's, there are so many components to this. And yeah. it sounds like it's been quite a journey for you from a young age. Yes. And the work I'm doing actually now in the kind of human connection, digital wellness space is all really kind of stems from 
the relationship I had, uh, my family of origin and the relationship I had with my mother. She died seven years ago, sadly, but uh, she was a therapist. And so that was a very, I think, special and unique way to grow up was just being super in tune with communication, thoughts and feelings. You know, those are just not, at least in the time that I grew up, those were not really conversations that were talked about all the time. We talk so freely about, thank God, uh, you know, anxiety um, and depression and mental health and all of those things today. But when I was younger, that's not, that was not the case. And my mom was talking in that way. I'm so blessed and so grateful that I grew up in that environment because I do have really easy access to what I'm feeling at any particular time, why I might be feeling that, and how to communicate my feelings to the people that are around me. Wow, incredible. So it sounds like you grew up with, with a lot of emotional awareness and emotional language, which ties in directly to what you're doing. So why don't we segue a little bit into what it is that you're working on now and how this work became so important to you. Basically, the whole idea of just being mindful with technology and digital wellness became really important to me. My mom died seven years ago, and about five years ago, I started noticing more and more, as I'm sure we all did, that you know, they're going out to a restaurant, you'd see families sitting and each parent is texting on their phones and the kids are got their iPad or their phone in front of them while they're, you know, watching a video while everyone's eating. And it just was very apparent to me that there was this huge disruption uh, coming, whether it was already here or whether there was, it was coming with how we related to each other face to face. The reason why my mom was brought up in that is I just knew that would break her heart and that we would probably be having many, many conversations about it. Um, and so that kind of why it came into my consciousness about five years ago. I've been, um, you know, a yoga practitioner for many years and yoga was one of those places I could go, whether it was the yoga class or my own practice in my home, uh, where I would have the ability to give 100% attention. It was not very often I could do this. I have a very active mind. But in yoga, I was always able to very fully focus. And about three and a half years ago now, I found myself in a yoga class with a very one of my most special teachers that I love, I left class to go to the bathroom and ended up on my phone texting um, and realized at that moment that this device in my hand had a power over me that um, I didn't like. So I started talking about it to other people and realized that there was definitely uh, an issue out there, not just for me. It's, uh, it is pervasive. It is a really, really big issue. So I've seen people in exercise classes, not yoga, but exercise classes, you know, on the spin bike on their phone in spin class. Yeah. And uh, it's like, it's a powerful, it's a powerful technology. The technology is actually developed in a way that makes it so that it is gripping and habit forming. So the software developers who create this technology, whether it's our hardware or the apps that we're using, they're building it to keep us engaged. And there's no malice in that. The name of the game in building a sustainable business is increasing engagement. So in order to make money and keep doors open, even the healthiest apps out there, they need more people to use their software in order for them to charge a monthly fee or to attract advertisers as sponsors. 
So it's really important for us, again, going back to the theme of awareness, consciousness, balance, the things that we want to incorporate in our lives, it's important for us to be aware of these trap doors that are actually built into the software to keep us engaged. And there's someone named Tristan Harris, who if you don't know him, he's basically seen as the original Silicon Valley whistleblower. He was one of the first people to publicly compare the smartphone to a slot machine. As he has said, it's no accident that many of the social media apps are designed with these never-ending feeds so that you can keep scrolling and scrolling. And, you know, scrolling is a behavior that sets off a dopamine loop. It's hard to break that dopamine loop because the reward system in our brains is very easily triggered and it's held captive by the idea that we don't know what we'll get when we're looking at our smartphones. That's the element of surprise that keeps us coming back for more. Um, did that person, you know, return my text? And even I know on iPhone, there's those little dots that just kind of hover there while somebody's replying to your text. And that's tapping into that part of your brain that's seeking this sense of satisfaction that you don't know what's going to happen and, and, you know, what, what I'm going to get out of this. Those are amplified by sounds and visual clues, cues, the notifications that pop up on your screen. And this is why in the digital wellness space, one of the first tips that experts will give you is to turn off your notifications on your phone, to really only leave the notifications on your phone that are associated with some kind of human connection. So maybe your phone gives you a visual or sound cue when someone's calling you, but really the other notifications, I mean, maybe your calendar, but other than that, you don't necessarily need all of that. And it actually is the thing that will keep you kind of coming back even though you don't want to. Yes, and the interesting thing is that it's changing now, thankfully, um, but the platforms, Android and um, Apple, they built these phones so that when you buy your phone, it comes with all the notifications turned on. And you have to physically go into settings and turn off each individual app's notification. And that takes a tremendous amount of time. So there is this movement with the digital wellness um, space where we're putting pressure on the software developers and the hardware developers to say, why don't you build it the other way? Why don't you build it where there's no notifications that are automatic and that we choose to put on notifications if we want them? There's lots of tips like that. There's so many wonderful people out there who are researchers or authors and coaches that have great tips um, for all of these things. Another tip, for example, is don't sleep with your phone next to your bed. People immediately say, well, that's my alarm clock. Well, you can get alarm clock for $20 on Amazon, or there's wonderful um, digital wellness companies that are selling beautiful analog clocks now. And so you can, you know, do it that way. And then the second fear is, well, I don't have a landline and my phone is the way people communicate with me. And what if someone's trying to reach me in the middle of the night? You know, I, my answer to that is put your phone maybe in a room just outside of your bedroom, let it charge there and turn the ringer up high enough so you can hear it. I, I think the point is that we have just like the fitness community and the nutrition community, there now needs to be this digital wellness community that we're all talking about these kinds of healthier habits and ways to enhance your life and use technology to enhance your life. I hear you so loud and clear, you know, as a busy mom, I feel connected to my phone throughout the day for different obligations with the kids. And now we have these groups. I don't know if this is popular in, in, in Los Angeles, but in Israel, it's very popular to be included in all of these different WhatsApp groups 
for the kids' sports activities and for their classes and for their youth groups. And, and it's a lot to keep track of. But a few weeks ago, well, while I was preparing for this episode, actually, my phone broke. I, I went out to the forest behind my house to, to meditate one day. And I sat down, forgetting that it was in the pocket of my parka. And I sat on my phone. Okay. Oh. So the phone was between me and a rock and just completely shattered. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there's, and, there's a signal. There's a signal right? right. So I took it to the, the store to get fixed and it took a lot longer than anticipated because I really crushed it. And so I was without a phone for like three days and so much was different that I didn't anticipate. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious, did you find yourself, because this has happened to me, um, just noticing people's facial expressions or colors in the world? I mean, I, I don't know, for me, when I'm even just having my phone in my pocket somehow kind of dulls everything around me. And when I don't have it, all of a sudden it's, you know, this kind of, oh, wow, birds are chirping. And, you know, listen to that person laughing. That sounds so great. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, in terms of relationships, the thing that I noticed was that when I wasn't picking it up to look at it, taken out of my pocket or kind of thinking about it or going to it, I actually had an easier time like connecting with my younger, my youngest child Mm -hmm. who just needs to see my face. Yes. I have in our company, there's one of our advisors is Dr. Tracy Dennis Tawari. And she was actually featured on a Diane Sawyer special about screen time. And they do an experiment in it. I believe it's built on a bigger study, but they show in the episode that, that they asked mothers to not look into their children's eyes and to be looking down at their phone for two minutes. They timed them. And they had children, I believe it was under four years old, three or four years old, and they videotaped, they showed these interactions where the child was getting increasingly stressed by the idea that the mother was looking down and not looking up at, at, at their child. And what Dr. Tracy talks about is this idea that, yes, we're, of course, distracted throughout the day, whether we're uh, driving or washing the dishes or making dinner, and we're not always looking into our child's face, but there's something unique about looking into a screen and your child seeing that uh, versus them seeing you looking at them or even looking at the puzzle you're working on together or, or something like that. So I think, you know, that's the type of research and conversations that I'm super inspired by um, and that I, you know, love to share. It's so incredible. So as I'm listening to you talk about that, it really resonates for me. And I'm sure for so many of our listeners, especially parents who are listening to our conversation right now, And I'm curious in terms of practical ideas. Well, so in 2017, as I mentioned a few years ago, I started just getting very uh, conscious of this problem that we were all having of being kind of gripped and and drawn into our mobile devices and not being able to go places where our phones and and mobile devices couldn't follow us. And my background is in uh, nonprofit fundraising, event planning, community building, and I've been doing that for 20 plus years. And I just wanted to see where I might be able to add value. And I really saw that at the intersection of social impact and digital wellness. 
And so I started a company called Little Space. We're essentially building a community around creating time and space where technology doesn't follow you. One of the things that we have is the app. It's a time tracking app. It's a simple timer. We intentionally built it so that there's not uh, a lot of technology behind it. So there's no, we're not blocking you. I believe uh, change comes from the inside and I can't tell you how and when to make that change. It needs to be something that you're motivated by. So we, we made intentionally didn't put a lot of notifications or blocks or things inside the app. It's a simple timer, just like your meditation timer you might have on your phone. The thing that's different is that we partner with brands and authors and wellness companies to bring you incentives to make you want to time, you know, take that time away from your phone and track your time and give yourself that kind of positive feedback of earning a reward, whether it's an ebook from some wellness company that you're interested in, or some MP3 or MP4 recording of, of a chant from a meditation center. Maybe it's a new song from an artist that you love. And that after 30 minutes of tracking your time in our app, we give you the reward of a unique URL that you go to to download this specific reward. We also give a uh, partner with brands to give promo codes. So get getting discounts on items last year, or actually in 2018, we partnered with a wellness company called Gravity. They make weighted blankets and the blankets are, you know, between two and $300. And so on World Mental Health Day, we did an unplugging challenge where if you use the Little Space app and you unplugged for one hour, we gave you a $50 gift card um, as a download, as a promo code <clears throat> to go to the Gravity site and buy the Gravity Blanket. The most important part, I think, is that we also give people incentive by saying that your time tracked on the Little Space app can actually translate into support for causes. And we call that unplug for a cause. Um, and so unplug for a cause are challenges that you can take inside the app, but we also brought it through our company into real life. And we do wellness lounges at music festivals or conferences where we create kind of a, a place where people can go and reconnect with themselves, either through meditation, exercises, yoga. I do a little thing called Check Your Tech Neck, which is a little yoga series that helps you open your chest, elongate your neck, all the things that you want to pay attention to because we're always looking down at our phones. That's a really, it's a cool 20 minutes. In the Wellness Lounge, we've done, you know, where we've had live podcasts. So that's something you and I can talk about where we've, we've um, you know, done a live podcast and people come and they're the audience. And so they put away their phones and unplug for a cause. So the way that works is that we get corporate sponsors essentially or little space, you know, my company will sponsor either a dollar per minute or, you know, right now one of our unplug for a cause challenges we're trying to work on is having um, sock companies donate socks per minute uh, to people living on the street. And inside the app, you can see uh, other people that you invite to come with you along with you on this journey. So you can create your own groups, whether it's a family group or a themed group like hiking, and maybe you invite a few friends to come and join you in the hiking group. And then that's just kind of an intention that you set to not bring your phone with you on hikes and you can see each other and how many minutes you've unplugged. It's just really about building a community and I'm sensitive to the idea that, that an app means that it's an online community and that really is kind of ironic. So that's why we want to do the real life stuff like lounges. 
we've been moving into delivering gift boxes to people that have a lot of inspirational items inside of them and and experiences so that they can be inspired to get off their phone you know always knowing that you know people can use the app as well I love all of it so much. Oh, I'm so glad. I, this idea of having the wellness lounge and creating the space where everyone's doing it together, it reminds me of here in Israel where we live, we keep the Sabbath. And so where we live um, in our community, there's no cars and also people don't use phones and televisions and that kind of, no screens. And so we have this one day and it, it makes me think of that when you talk about the lounge and this idea that you brought up earlier that when we're shifting our attention away from this device pulling us, we're literally able to tune into so much more that we would otherwise be missing. Oh yeah, and, and it's interesting you bring up Shabbat because I'm actually joining the team with the National Day of Unplugging, and that is a um, holiday that it's actually celebrated all over the world, and it's on March 6th and seventh this year. It started at 10 year, 11 years ago now with an organization called Sabbath Manifesto. So the organization that started National Day of Unplugging is called Reboot. They're based in five cities in the United States. And they started National Day of Unplugging as kind of an extension of the Sabbath Manifesto, which had, which was basically taking a break. There's a lot of elements of just your traditional Shabbat, but also bringing in this modern dilemma of technology and taking what people call a tech, you know, tech Shabbat. There's another uh, person that's involved with National Day of Unplugging that I've partnered with. Her name is Tiffany Schlain, and she wrote a book recently uh, called 24-6, and it's about her 10-year journey with her family that she has taken these tech Shabbats. They have made the you know, distinction that there is no technology from sundown to sundown on Shabbat and how that affected her family. And she wrote a book about it. And then it's actually- Oh, wow. I love that. So she's involved with National Day of Unplugging as well. And yeah, I would love to talk about how to bring National Day of Unplugging to, you know, more into Israel, because I know there's such a natural fit, obviously, with Shabbat. I would love to help however I can. Oh, wonderful. All right. It sounds, it's, it sounds, it sounds wonderful. It's, uh, you know, it's special. It's, it's a different energy, as you know, when not only am I putting my screens down, screen down, but everyone else is doing it too. Yes. It's, yes. Well, and that's exactly the point is that, you know, that's where, because I had done so much community building in my prior jobs, I felt like that's the answer. And, and I know just from, as I mentioned, you know, being part of a 12 step community and being connected to the Jewish community, most of the things that we do, especially if we want to make a habit change in our life, is always easier when you're surrounded by people that are doing the same thing. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Our environment is so powerful. Yeah. And it's interesting that you have so many different influences. And one of them is the 12 step. So I'm curious, how do you see this digital era in terms of addiction? I personally don't use the word addiction as much, although I know that there are a lot of people that feel that it is an addiction, and I think there is um, behavioral addiction. Uh, there's a great book called Irresistible by Adam Alter that your listeners might be interested in, and that's about a behavioral addiction. It's hard because I've uh, you know, been connected in relationships with people that have had substance abuse 
you know, in a substance addiction. And it's a little different than that because there's the sense of, um, I think, you know, I'm trying to think of it, how to, how to say it in a way that it doesn't, it doesn't feel that, that, you know, when you have a substance that's mind altering, um, that you are as, as gripped as when you're getting it caught in this dopamine loop. Um, but that's not to say that with the combination of maybe mental health challenges or other issues that it could really turn into an addiction. And I know there are um, a lot of the rehabs now, especially the adolescent ones, do have, you know, uh, young people or even uh, older people in, in rehabs are coming in with video game addiction, something that's fairly, very serious. So I think technology and screens are definitely addictive by nature. I think it really depends on you as a person and how you come to it. Right. That makes a lot of sense in terms of the bio-individuality of, of each person. Yes. Before we wrap up, if you can share just a little bit with us about what it's like for you personally to be without the screens, how that hike is different or you know how your day-to-day is different. When there's no screens... I know that I can just speak for, you know, my own relationship, my marriage, my relationship with my kids, um, you know, with friends, it's so much deeper and we can go so much deeper when neither of us is being interrupted with the, the promise of something else going on and on our screen. I think the the funniest, you know, analogy that I've heard is this idea that, you know, if you're sitting down with your husband to have dinner um, and your phone is on the table, it's as if you have brought the whole entire work team with you to sit at the table. They can interrupt, you know, at any time. And the analogy that I gave earlier about this, this, this food analogy where it's, you know, constant snacking and not really feeling satiated, I am so much more satiated with my relationship with myself and with my people in my life that I love and care about or work with um, if I'm not holding my phone in my hand or, um, you know, scrolling around. And I think, you know, it's also like being a trapdoor. You know, you can sit, I could be having a dinner with my dad, who I adore and want. It's such precious time. And, you know, we're talking about something and one of us says, oh, I forgot the name of that. Let's check it. And then I go on my phone and then I see a notification that my husband texted me. And then he asked me, can you check the balance of our checking account? And then I go into the balance of the checking account. And then I realize, oh, wait, I forgot to order the laundry detergent. And so now I'm on Amazon and it's just this complete dark hole that I can get into. So the best bet for me is just to keep it in another room or another area. I love, I love going to movies and I get very distracted when other people have their, the theaters now are trying to at least say at the beginning, please, this is a distractive, distraction-free zone and don't use your phone, but there's always that person that, that's using it. And it, to me, that's super distracting. So um, those are just the places that, you know, I personally, out in nature with other people, when I'm watching something that I really want to concentrate on. Um, and, it, and, and interestingly, that also includes watching a movie on television, on a, on a screen. It's still a screen, but I think we've, you know, unfortunately, I've personally, and I've seen others around me in this habit of multi-screening, you know, where oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I'm watching Netflix, but I'm also scrolling and ordering things online and doing all of that. So I like to, to be focused on what I'm doing. 
and not be distracted by my screen pretty much. I love that so much. And it's so, it's so true what you're saying about you having the conversation, you have a question that nobody knows the answer to, you look it up. And then the next thing you know, you're ordering laundry detergent. Uh, exactly. And, and you're all doing it. You're all sitting at the table. And then somebody looks up and says, wait a minute. Didn't we mean to have lunch together? So oh, It's so true. So the bottom line is either put your phone in a, a different place or just don't ask Siri and don't look it up. Yes. Yes. And that's a, that's a definite um, challenge. I mean, I think it's an interesting challenge. To say, you know, at the beginning of a meal, um, you know, and that's the thing you, you know, you mentioned, you know, you and your kids and your husband and, and, and I talk, I go and speak in, in preschools because one of the, one of my passions is, you know, talking to parents of young children, because I believe that, you know, sadly, I think we got into a, a bit of a mess now with kids that are, you know, teenagers and young adults in the sense that there's been a spike in anxiety and depression. And while we can't exactly draw an exact cause from that, you know, I think it's evident that um, the spike, you know, is partially due to the rise in social media and, and our smartphones being able to follow us everywhere. And with young children, you know, I'd say under nine years old, we still have a chance to impart these other kinds of values into them. And as families, we can have these conversations similarly to the way we do around our religious practices or food and fitness, where we are a family that gets outside and exercises. We are a family that's vegan. We, you know, whatever it is that you mm -hmm. decide with your family, have those conversations with the people you're co-parenting with and the people that are around your children. They can grow up with this sense of, yes, there is screen-free space in my home. We don't take screens into the living room or we don't take screens to the dinner table. Um, or every Sunday at four o'clock, you know, is, is screen free time. Oh, this is such a good idea. It's so interesting. I never thought about screen free space. So I thought about screen free time, like setting a time, but what if you made a certain room of your home screen free? That's brilliant. A lot of people do that with their bedrooms. Um, now that we're, you know, more and more people are not sleeping with their phones, but there's still televisions and there's still things inside. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I knew, I know growing up, there was a rule in, you know, that we had a living room that didn't have a television in it. And at the time, obviously televisions were not as available. You know, we, people didn't have a television in their bathrooms the way they do now. I think that the idea of time and space with uh, no screens is, is so important. This is, it's so, it's so inspiring. It's so important. I'm ready to take a challenge or something. Oh, oh that's great. <laughs> well, yeah, we can, you know, offline we can talk about maybe your listeners want to do, uh, we could do a challenge on the Little Space app and, and get connected to some great reward that we can all get, or we can unplug for a cause or whatever you want to do. I think. Um, I would love it. I would yeah. love it. I'm happy to share my digital books. Oh, that's a good idea. That's yeah. A good idea. Let's do that. And I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I'm going to turn my living room into a digital wellness lounge. Yes, that's <laughs> wonderful. Well, and yeah, so there's puzzles. There's, and that's the kind of thing that I talked about the gift boxes we do. You just make the space and set it up with the things that inspire you to forget about your phone. You know, what motivates you to forget about your phone? Talk about that, you know, with your husband and with the grandparents and, you know, and then, and then your kids too. That is such a great question to think about in, in any moment, every day. Yes. What inspires you to forget about your phone? Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure 
speaking with you today and hearing all about this work. I feel the same way. Thank you. Thank you. And tell us where can our listeners find you and, and where can they find Lil Space? Our website is getlilspace.com. And our Instagram is at getlilspace. That's the same for Facebook. We're not huge on social media, as you can imagine. We communicate more via email. So a great way would be to go to our website, getlilspace.com and sign up for our newsletter. We're growing and so grateful to be partnering with the National Day of Unplugging and growing that globally. So excited to come to Israel and, and, and do it there. That sounds great. I'm really excited. And I'm going to put all of your information and all of your contacts in the show notes. So for everyone listening who is ready to unplug, all of Kim's info and everything about Little Space are available to you wherever you're listening. Uh, Thank you so much. This has been such a joy. Such a joy having Kim on the show and sharing it with all of you. It has been incredible connecting with you over the past weeks. And I know that you're listening to this in a number of different places, but if you want to connect in one space, you can find me on Facebook. I have a community. It's called Circle of Insight. So you can hop on over there and send a join request. And of course, I will approve it. There are all sorts of other tips and tricks and resources that I have for you, including my book and meditations and so, so much more. So you can visit my website. It's drazi.co. That's D-R-A-Z-I.co. Check out the show notes for links to that and for links to Kim Carvalho, Little Space, and everything that Kim is doing with her app and in conjunction with the National Day of Unplugging that is coming up. Let us know, how are you inspired by this episode? What steps are you going to take to promote the digital well-being of yourself and of those that you care about? I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what inspires you and also what questions you have and how we can continue to serve you more. We have got some big announcements coming here at Within Us. We are going to have a whole new level of involvement and togetherness and learning and transformation and inspiration. It's, it's rolling out really soon. So stay tuned for that. Subscribe to us wherever you listen, and please do leave a review if that's possible, wherever you're hearing my voice right now. And in other news, there's a lot happening in my life. You know, a few months ago, I posted something about mental health. I had uh, my friend Mark Cordone on the show, and he talked about this idea of self-talk. And he had given a TED TED Talk recently that I watched, and I loved it so much because it was funny and it was entertaining, but it was also really serious. And serious in the sense that the way that we speak to ourselves matters. It matters. And you know, you might be listening to this thinking, what do you mean the way that we speak to ourselves? I'm not speaking to myself, but our brains are churning out thoughts all the time. So in that way, we are subconsciously speaking to ourselves. And what I like to do with my students and clients is tap into that subconscious by way of questioning our beliefs and by way of using powerful tools such as meditation, deep breathing, and mindfulness. And, you know, a lot can happen in a short amount of time. So in any case, I listened to Mark talk about his story with depression, and I really got inspired to start sharing my own journey. 
And I started doing it on the show. And then I was contacted by Mark, who invited me on his show to talk about my own mental health journey. And I was also contacted by someone else who, who writes and does photo essays about various topics, looking into the lives of women and what we go through and our stories. So there's a story coming out soon. And it's a story that I've never told, but I feel from the bottom of my heart, you know, I'm turning 40 this year and I feel like it's a story that needs to be heard. Recently, I began hearing about various individuals where I live. I live in Israel and I've heard the story of a few young people who have quite sadly, uh, tragically taken their own lives. And, you know, I've had a mental health journey, which I get into in this essay that's coming out and in the show. And as I'll continue to share with you, but I, I, I stopped and I considered how important it is to me that we begin to talk about our mental health the same way that we speak about our physical health. I believe that our mental health struggles are universal and that what I'm dealing with and what I'm challenged by is not so different than what so many other people are challenged by as well. And if I've taken any lessons away from my journey, I feel that it's my duty to share them with you. So stay tuned, please. I'm doing my best to share in a way that is going to be helpful for you and I'm trying to do it thoughtfully. And it means a lot to me. It means the world to me and I'm doing it so that I can be of help and of service because that's everything folks. That is everything. It's really the divine spark within each one of us that wants to shine. And sometimes this physical world can do everything in its power to try to hold back that light and to, to keep it from shining. But the, the courage, the true courage that we each possess and our will to shine our unique light in this world is so much stronger and so much more powerful. So my friends, you are a light. Keep on shining and stay connected. It means so much to me. Abundant blessings today and always. See you next week.